Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back in his league days, Greg used to own his own ball. It was a beautiful orange ball. You don't see many orange balls. It was beautiful. You haven't seen me naked. Uh, I have. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. I know, and I'm a little self-conscious about talking about my kid too much on public forums like this because I've learned very quickly, even while having kids, people, no one, like nobody's kids are as interesting to anybody else outside of the people that have the kids. You know what I mean? So I could come on here and say a bunch of things that I think are funny and interesting about parenting life, but there's just so many people I feel like that are just immediately turned out. tuned out on it tuned out and turned off um well i'm interested because your kid happens to be my grandkid so that is an exception to the rule it's more just see this isn't anything specific about my daughter it's really it's two milestones that i'm hitting as a parent current like today and tomorrow we're recording this on sunday today i'm going to my daughter's first recital oh my what is she reciting (laughs) (laughs) the gettysburg address the declaration of independence no um she is uh it's a dancer it's a ballet recital she's been doing ballet at her daycare for months oh, and great. this is it is a uh, culminating today is she pirouetting yeah stuff like <laughs> that um it's one of those things that i'm sure you know i hope she doesn't hear me say this but it can't be as good as i'm anticipating right like i'm anticipating something like wow my daughter's gonna perform but it's probably gonna be sad right they're four um, well if, if it depends on your standard if you're anticipating barishnikov I suspect you'll be disappointed if you're anticipating a pretty good four-year-old, then I think you're going to be absolutely blown away. Is it bad that I'm kind of rooting for like one kid to like, hopefully it's not Graceland, but like one kid to throw a tantrum during it and just like kind of screw up the whole thing? Oh, that would be the worst. I want like the teacher to have to like carry a kid off the stage and be like, all right, now we'll continue. Yeah, that would be the worst. Now, if, if a kid just falls on their ass, that's lovable. That's adorable. The kid who falls on his ass is the one who's probably going to get the standing ovation. How about the teacher who's like off the side of the stage reenacting all the stuff for the kids? Because I imagine at age four, they don't have all this memorized. It's basically going to be them watching and mimicking some teacher off to the side. That's what I imagine. Right. What if she falls? Can I root for that? Um, Yeah, I think you can. Yeah, I think you can. But then the kids might get panicked. I don't want the kids to get panicked. Well, then they'll think they should fall, too, because it would just seen their teacher fall. And then they'll all fall. But I've seen Grace. She'll get up and she'll get up and she'll be. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be fine. I've seen her at uh, at karate and 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 how the instructor at karate treats the kids. So I think it'll be similar. I think it'll be like karate, but in a tutu. The other milestone is about me. Um, (laughs) It's I've signed up to be my daughter's soccer coach, head coach for a, a six and under um, soccer league and my daughter's four. She's, you know, oh. big for her age. She's tall. So I don't expect, I expect her to hang. I don't like, I'm, I'm not going in thinking she's going to, you know, bow down to all these six year olds. I think she's going to be one of the better players, but that's neither here nor there. The, the funny part about the prep for it is I've been handed a packet of 83 kids. 
Oh my God. And I, I have a bunch of names. I have a bunch of jersey sizes and I have a bunch of ages. That's all I have on them. So basically, I've gone through this packet of 83 kids. I've picked all the oldest kids. I've picked the kids who are wearing medium and large shirts because I think gro- I think of growth as someone something to be an attribute. There's one seven-year-old in the league. I'm going after that kid. Oh, my gosh. I mean, maybe he's not that great. Maybe he's in the league as a seven-year-old because his parents were like, look, he's never done anything before. Like, right. please start him off. So yeah. it could be, you know, maybe I don't want to draft the seven-year-old. Maybe right. I want to draft the youngest kid because that's the parent that's like, hey, my kid is so good. They deserve to be in this league. It's just like I'm right. The, the the ridiculous thing is my wife laughing at me as I'm sitting at our dining room table with like sheets spread across That's the whole great. table. Yeah. And I and I have like my big board for a four year old's soccer draft. Yeah. Yeah. You need Mel Kuyper there uh, advising you. Uh, no, like I am dissecting these this list of kids like it's the NFL draft. Yeah. Like I have my big board. I have kids highlighted. I feel it's going to be ridiculous when I walk into this room on Monday and nobody else has done this. Everyone's just kind of looking through the packet. Like, it doesn't matter. They're four and five. We'll yeah. just pick random names. And I have, I am prepared. Yeah, you are. You're if, just, I, well, if I don't get, if I don't get Sally Walnut on my team in the third round, I'm going to be upset. Okay. I don't know who that is, but uh, is she a phenom? Who's Sally Walnut? I made up her name. I made up okay, her name, but I'm just saying like, name. I have a few names. I don't want to say real names. Gotcha. Um, and, and there was also a few last names that I saw. I was like, Did, is that the kid I went to high school's daughter? I can't take that. I don't, I don't want that. There was one last name I saw. I'm not going to say it just in case this gets back to that person. You draft parents. When you're, when you're into youth coaching, uh, you're not just drafting kids. You're drafting parents as well. Right. And I, but I just didn't want that awkward. Hey, man, good to see you. Look at you. We yeah. ended up now we have kids. Like, I just I don't like that awkward small talk. So I purposely crossed off this poor kid from my draft board because I think he has the same last name. It's a random, it's not Smith either. It's like a really detailed last name that I'm like, I think I went to high school with that kid's dad. Don't want to deal with it. Not that, not that I disliked the guy. It's just, it's just that whole awkward of like, Oh, look at us. What a small world. I just was like, let me avoid that off my big board. Plus then, then you're under the pressure of starting that kid's, you know, favoring that kid's right child because you and I'm feeling that pressure the whole time. Yeah. No, I get that. This is circle of life stuff because, you know, when when you and Michael were five and six, uh, I don't think it was as early as four. But when you were five and six, I was coaching you guys in soccer. And so it's uh, it's it's fun to it's fun to watch. I can't wait. I'm sorry I'm missing the recital on Sunday. And um, I'm, uh, yeah, you are because that's a, people can hear you sound different. You're are you you're on the road right now. Like, yeah, what's, what's I'm, I'm actually in a in a hotel room in in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, we were here for. Uh, uh, a friend's uh, memorial service, a celebration of life type stuff to a good friend who passed away unexpectedly a few months ago. And now they're having, uh, they just had the service and I spoke at it yesterday. It was a pretty emotional thing. And uh, did you keep it together? Not to pry too much, but were I you did. I did. This, my, is one my, of your, this is, this is one of your and mom's closest friends as a couple oldest friends. Yeah. Um, like, did you, was, did you keep it together? I did. My, my remarks were, uh, brief. I, I probably spoke for a couple or three minutes and uh, I did. It was emotional. and I had to fight uh, emotion a little bit, but I, I got through it. And, and my remarks were well received. Many people came up to me and uh, uh, thanked me for what I said and all that. So, but yeah, so transition back to the fun stuff. Yeah, but, uh, so yeah, that's why. So that's why you sound like you're in a cave. Do I, I see? I, I don't know. though. It, it sounds like the same old 
me is is always i there. love how you're like to me my voice sounds the same so i don't get what's the difference it does as long as i'm not coughing i'm uh I'm happy with my voice. I could be talking to a tin can right now and it sounds great. No, you sound fine. You sound fine. I, I want to ask, ask you one thing, because uh, this uh, this actually this came up when you and I were leaving the heat game where I saw what looked like a dollar bill on the ground. Yeah. And I said, hey, pick up that dollar bill. And it turned out it wasn't a dollar bill, but it got me thinking um, because I was out to breakfast once with Wayne Heisinger, the, the former owner of the Miami Dolphins. And um did you just bring up that? Did you bring up this whole thing just to say that? Yeah, I did. You know, it's it's a bad name drop, though. It really is. I mean, if I'm going to be picking up a would have crushed in the '90s. <laughs> it would have, uh, and God rest his soul, Wayne. Uh, much maligned owner down here, hated but did much. Uh, founded the Dolphins. All right, enough. We get it. Everyone, everyone, everyone knows Wayne Heisinger. Everyone knows Wayne okay. Heisinger. So I asked Wayne Heisinger what because he's a millionaire. I don't know if he's a billionaire, but multi-millionaire NFL team owner. I asked him. Uh, what would you pick up a coin? Like if you're if you're at a gas station and next to the pump, not that he pumps his own gas, he's got people that do that probably. <laughs> but if you see a, a, a penny on the ground, would you pick it up? Uh, he was taken aback by the question. He smiled. He said he would probably pick up a quarter. That, that's probably where he would start. Wow. He would pick up a quarter. I think he was just and, being politically correct and didn't want to sound like an out of touch bleep hole. So you don't you don't think he would pick up anything? I think the last time Wayne Heisinger picked up a quarter was in 1968. Okay, when he was little Wayne. Yeah. Little Wayne. He was the original yeah. little Wayne. <laughs> okay. Now we can say dad had breakfast with Lil Wayne. That's right. Um <laughs> don't make me laugh. Um so what would you pick up? Because I asked your mother this this day, and she had a shocking answer. Right? Well, you ridiculed me because I was like, it, when we were walking from the heat arena, it, and, and I'll get into this in a second, the placement of this dollar is a big factor. True. Okay. In a bathroom, not picking up a dollar. In a shady bathroom, uh, uh, parking garage stairwell, which is where we were, suspect. You know, yeah. if, if I'm at a nice restaurant, if I'm on a, you know, a, a beach... You know what I mean? If there's different settings where I, w where I will pick up a dollar, but there's certain settings right. where I won't. I would say I'll always pick up a five. That's what I told you. A $5 bill will always pick, I'll always pick up. I'll risk the germs associated with this bill. But a dollar in the wrong setting on a gross floor in a bathroom, like I said, in a parking garage, like a, par like a parking garage where you often see someone sleeping. Um, I'm just, I'm good. How about a coin? I don't even, I, you know me, I don't like coins. Yeah. This is like a revelation that I can... Like when I was 15 years old, I would just genuinely, and I know this is like terrible uh, privilege. There's privilege behind this. This is not a good thing. Right. I have been known when I was like really young and immature to literally at a McDonald's drive through get my change back. And if it's like 11 cents, if it's like two nickels and, and a penny, just literally throw it outside on the floor. Like just like, ugh, this, it's going to make my yeah. hands smell. And I'm, as I'm saying that out loud, I'm regretting it and thinking I want to take it out because it just makes me look like such a piece of shit. It does. It really does. Uh, it, but but you've always been like that. Because I could have just, in a McDonald's drive-thru in particular, you have that little jar, that little slot of like the, found, the yeah, McDonald's no. foundation. So I could have just put right. it in there, but no, yeah. on the floor. No, you should have. That's what I do at McDonald's. I, I say, could you put that in the slot for the Ronald McDonald's house, please? Well, you don't even put it in there. You tell them to put it in there. No, I'm... I've gone past change now. You know, I I think I did it back in my day on this once. Um, I used to always walk around with, with, with a big load in my pants, meaning 
meaning, meaning a, a bunch of coins in my pocket, right? Uh, now, I can, can't tell you the last time I transacted with change. Now you empty those loads daily. Uh, that's right. I did. Um, so it's funny, this whole conversation we're having is almost moot because coins are almost extinct. Right. You never find coins on the floor anymore. <laughs> right. And with credit cards and debit cards, you can go weeks without fishing a bill. Like 10 years from now, this conversation will sound like it's from the 70s. Yeah, it will. <laughs> it will. But uh, I asked your mother yesterday, uh, would she scoop to, stoop to pick up a penny? Of course, she laughed at me. A dollar? No. And she finally admitted she'd probably pick up a $5 bill. Which, which I, I love the idea of mom picking up a $5 bill because I just want to like be like, ha! Yeah, uh, you don't really need that. Well, here, here's the thing. Whenever when I and this has probably happened five times in my life, whenever I stoop to pick up what I think is a bill someone else lost, someone pulls it away because there's a string attached <laughs> to it. No, that well, that too. Uh, <laughs> I did that once at a, at a theme park. Did you? I did that once. I was with the, the Costanzos. I was like with a family friends. <laughs> like I was on a vacation, not with my family. And I don't know how we ended up doing this, but we were just at a like a, a one of those midwestern theme park i think it was hershey park or something i don't know some roller coaster theme park and we were sitting on a little bench we had a five dollar bill attached to a string and people were bending over and we just yank it away it was honestly it's one of those things it's a classic bit yeah it's always funny it's like a tv prank always funny the person always feels like an idiot when they like go to reach down and get it but then they laugh they laugh that's what i mean it's very it's such a playful gag it is it's I think if you, the, the the higher the bills get, the more dangerous the gag can get. Yeah. If it's a hundred dollar bill, someone got really excited that they found a hundred, and like now they're really disappointed. Whereas a five dollar bill, how disappointed can you be that you like? Yeah. But uh, yeah, that 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 brings me back. That was fun times. I think I found a twenty once. I think that's the biggest bill I ever uh, lucked to pick up. Oh, I found a twenty for sure before. I've I've you ever been in that instance where you find a twenty on the floor, kind of at the same time as somebody, and you're both like giving your credentials on why that's your twenty? Oh no, I haven't. You're like, yeah, yeah. You're like, I, I had to, I had a hundred. What was twenty, twenty, sixty? I already bet twenty. Yeah, yeah. This is my hundred. I mean, that's my twenty for sure. It's my twenty. <laughs> and they're like, I was just right here, and I missed the twenty. And now it's like we're, and that at that point you rip the twenty in half, and you each keep ten. What? That's a joke. Oh, good, because a bill ripped in half is useless, I think. Thank you, Dad. Um, Thank you. I want to mention, we have a lot to get to, and I want to, uh, we're going to get to it in a second. But I want to mention real quickly um, that your mother, again, uh, said something to me the other day, which I wanted to make fun of. I asked her, we were at a car rental place, uh, or looking at, at the airport, waiting for a car rental shuttle bus to take us. And she had just been here a few weeks earlier. So I said, uh, how long does the rental uh, shuttle take to arrive? Classic complaining question from it is because I mean, let me let me establish how long until I can be annoyingly it was annoyed okay because how long I can get irritated like when can I be irritated right. is basically what you're asking it's always a proper question because like, we had already been you, there should just, you should just always ask that question instead of the questions that you're asking that are passive aggressively right. they're not leading to your just just say when can I complain right we have that already, should be always your question we had already been there ten or fifteen minutes I was getting antsy. Here we go. And so I asked her, how long does the shuttle bus usually take if she had just done this? And here was her answer. Just shut up and stop complaining was probably her answer. No, no, no. Her answer was, it takes a bit. Yeah. It takes a bit. What does that mean? A bit. It's, it, that's what you give. That's the answer you give to someone like you. No. That's like, if she says five minutes, you're going to be like, well, it's already been 15. A bit, like, you know, a like, bit is not a measurement, a unit of math or time. 
a bit. It's yeah, it is. It's a bit's like five to eight minutes. I think a bit's twenty. No, a, a little bit. A little bit is under five. A she bit didn't say a little bit. She said a bit. A bit is five to eight minutes. Some people, some some states call it five to ten. I don't know. I have to look up Florida. Yeah, you can't say a bit. You got you got to give it. When somebody asks you about how long do you think this will take, you can't say a bit. You got to give it. What's a gif? I'll be there in a gif. Isn't that like a, a meme? Yeah, but isn't isn't that also like an old fashioned phrase for like I'll be there soon? I'll be there in a gif. Oh, I'll be there in a gif. Yeah, J. I think that was J. I F, not G G I F. I mean, Dad, I just said gif. I didn't say yeah, how it was spelled. I, I'll be there in a gif. You're right. I've completely forgotten about that phrase. That, how long's a gif? That's quick. A GIF is a GIF means uh, I'll be there in a second, like two minutes or less. Yeah. If you say I'll be there in a second, you never mean a second. If you say a GIF, it's like I am right there. You won't be waiting long. We talked about this with Nick Wright on like when you're sending a text, like I'll be there in two minutes. Do you say five? Like that? It's a whole it's a whole game. I rather I like going vague. Okay, I like going Vegas. By the way, Nick Wright is a friend of the Greg Cody show, even though he's feuding with the Levitard show. Have we ever mentioned this is the Greg Cody show? Um, No, but it is that. Indeed. Yeah, it really is. Okay, it's about time to dive into it because um, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Heat and Panthers, who are both advancing in the playoffs for the first time since '96, I think. And uh, and Christopher's going to really delve into his uh, beef with Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press. I don't have a beef with Tim Reynolds. I love that major beef, (laughs) and I take sides on that beef. Uh, But first, this is so exciting to me. Oh. The Father-Son Olympics, the Cody Olympics, had event five this week, bowling. And I don't want to give away anything. Why are you, why are you smiling so much? But you can probably hear it hanging right here in my life. <laughs> Let's remember, I also am, I bowl weekly in a bowling league. Yeah, so that I just want to let- Well, in this case, you bowl weekly W E A K. Oh, <laughs> wow. All right. Spoiler alert. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we give context in the, in the event, so we don't need to say anything else. Here it is. Event five, Greg Cody trying to get off the schneid down four, nothing in all the events. Here's bowling in the Cody family Olympics. The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody presents the Cody Family Olympics. Brought to you by the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Father versus son. Old versus young. Not athletic versus someone who, just a few years ago, turned out to be more athletic than any listener had previously imagined. Five weeks. Ten events. A house divided. Who will reign victorious? The Cody Family Olympics, brought to you by The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. All right. I always start everything, every segment that I start, I always start it with all right, and I just did it here. I need to stop doing that. It's my crutch. All right. We are here at the bowling alley. We are about to bowl. Um, All right. Normally... I think I'm like 50 pins better than my dad. I've been in a bowling league lately and I've been doing well, getting better. Went from like a 140 average to like 180. Um, but I don't have my ball with me today. I have my shoes. My dad's making fun of me for having shoes. Right. Christopher doesn't have his ball with him because it's being professionally drilled. He's having holes drilled as we speak. Right. Well, I actually, I'm, I'm a two finger bowler. Um, Which is bizarre. Hold for laughs. Um, but. It is bizarre. So in, in league bowling, you have to get the thumb hold filled 
if you're going to bowl with two fingers. Like, you're not allowed in league bowling to bowl two fingers with a, with the thumb hole empty. Really? Like, if you're going to bowl two fingers, you have to plug. I don't know why that is, but it's a rule. So that's what I'm doing. I'm getting my hole. I'm getting my thumb hole plugged. Okay, why are you anti-thumb? Because it's just the way I've always bowled. Two fingers, throw it with a whip, a big spin. And, uh, yeah, that's just the way I do it. But uh, so, so, basically, now that I'm going to be using a house ball, which is the balls that they have at the bowling alley the lingo is house ball right um those are crap balls and they don't spin as much as i need them to and the way i'm used to so i don't know if i'm going to be as good so i have to say i I would say i have to at least take 20 pins off my average so i would say i would probably average between 150 and 160. all right so you're giving me how many pins per game that's what america wants to know Well, what are you you're like a 130 right we kind of came up with that's a wild guess yeah all right so or do you want to call yourself a 125 uh, I want to call myself however, whatever gets me the most pins. Why don't I give you 30 pins? That sounds fair. 30 pins per game. Okay. And we're going to do best out of three. All right. Let's do this. <laughs> Look at you laughing and knock up. Oh, there's a cough. All right. One little cough. All right. <laughs> so Greg Cody gets a eight on his first throw. After your, after, after, on your first uh, frame, you got an eight. Thank you. You said after your first throw, what? That my left great toenail, which is black, uh, already hurts me. So After one shot. And at which point I said to myself, this is going to be easy. Well, you know, I got an eight. That means you're going to get a nine or better. Just talk while I do it. All right. Yeah, Mr. Bowler here, Mr. Hot Shot, Mr. League Bowler. Here we go. Let's see how he does. All right, he got a strike. Ah, this should be easy. Greg, you just threw the first gutter ball of the day on the third frame. Uh, you had to say that, didn't you? Yeah. Um, how are you feeling so far? Are you feel are, good. Are you feeling thirty pins is enough? Uh, no, based on the first two frames, no. I got a spare, a nine spare, my second one, so I have a strike and a nine spare. Greg is looking for his first mark. He's gonna need a strike here to get it on the second ball. That kind of thing. Let's see what he does. Oh, looks like it's got a chance. Oh, nine. All right, good ball, though. All right, we got something going here. I, uh, after my first two good frames, haven't done anything since, and Greg Cody on the fifth frame just got a strike. So I was up by 20 going into that. You got a strike now, so I got to do something here. I'll see you right back in it. I needed it. All right. All right, I'm on a strike. He's got me by 20 pins, but I'm on a strike. If he opens right here, I'm, I'm right back in the game. And it looks like a good ball. It's coming in. I got a seven. Tough spare. House ball, don't spin. Yeah, there you go. He's playing the house ball card. All right. Yeah, that kind of thing. How do I stop it? I don't see any buttons. <laughs> Keeping it. <laughs> All right, we're wrapping up game one, and Greg Cody is about to win in a major upset. Uh, Christopher's going to beat me straight up. He's going he's gonna to beat me 122, 132 to 115. But when you factor in my 30-point handicap, I have won the first game in a major upset, 145 to 132. You actually won something in this competition. Yeah. You still haven't won a point yet. 
But you won something in this competition. How about that? I'm as thrilled as I can be. I Even though we're documenting it in the audio, what the score is, you're still writing it in your notepad. That's right. Why? I'm, I'm old school. <laughs> what can I do? I want a record of it. I'm surprised you're not, like, with a notepad writing it, you know, with a, dipping your feather in, in ink. If I had a feather in ink, I'd be doing it right now. All right, so I played like shit that game. I fell apart. Uh, got a little too cocky early on after my dad's terrible start, and then he kind of came together. Um, I feel good going forward. I still think I'm going to win the next two because I think we saw about what my dad's going to do every game, and I can be much better. Hey. All right, we have to document what just happened here. So uh, my dad throws a ball <laughs> as he gets mad at me for recording this. He throws a ball, and then like a minute later, he's like, where'd my ball go? So he goes and tells the front desk his ball didn't come out. They do a ball return, they go back, and then the guy lifts up our ball machine. Like, the guy has done everything. He's like, I don't know, sir, the ball's not there. And my dad, like, gives him a look like, all right, well, you failed me. I'll just choose a different ball, I guess. At which point, my dad had already realized that the ball did come back originally, and he was too embarrassed to tell him that. Yeah, I, uh, it's not one of my better moments. And then I missed a single pin spare, so it was not a good frame for me. I thought you were going to blame it on the ball. I was expecting you to walk back and be like, see, I had to change balls. Yeah. That's why I didn't get I it. I did lose my rhythm. I lost my rhythm. But you lost it because you thought the ball hadn't come back and it had. That's a fair comment. That's fair. All right, we're starting game two here. I need to win this because he can't beat me in anything. All right, I'm furious. I just lost. All right, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be a sore loser. My dad won his first competition. He beat me two games. I just won. I, I won the second game by 27 pins. Uh, I, I was giving him 30, so he beat me by three. He knows that this second game is bullshit, though, because I had at least three, Dad, perfect balls that look like strikes, and they always ended up being a nine. Can you at least admit that? Yeah, you seem to get unlucky. You were playing with an unfamiliar ball. Uh, the pins weren't falling for you. I did get. I feel guilty winning. I'm not going to give it away. It's my first win, but I do feel guilty winning with the 30 point handicap, 30 pin handicap, not on my actual score. We could. I mean, if you were a competitive monster, you could just say, you know what? You deserved two more pins in that game, three more pins. I'm going to give you that win, and we're going to play a third one. Or you could just take the victory. You should take the victory. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, <laughs> I, I really don't want to like be that guy. It just I, I'm just frustrated because I did get unlucky that game, but that's the way sports works. Sometimes luck is involved. You won. Greg Cody has won an event. You you won't go home with the big the goose egg at the end of all this. You can at least say I had bowling. Uh, so I'm happy for you. How do you feel? It's a major, major victory for old people all over the world. Greg Cody, Greg Dad Cody has just won his first game in the fifth event of the Father-Son Cody Olympics. And granted, it took a handicap to do it, but I could not be happier. Well, I and I also, like, I, I need to look in the mirror here. If I, I got cocky. I thought, you know, I could come here with a house ball. And, you know, I was a good 50 pins less than I, you know, am regularly on league night. And that's my own fault. I should have waited. If I felt that strongly about it, I should have waited for my ball to get drilled. Yeah. So, you know, this is on me. I got too cocky, and you won fair and square. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. I think that's it. Okay, go drown in your sorrows. All right. Back to us. That kind of thing. Hey, that kind of thing.
I don't want to be the guy that makes excuses. <laughs> you know, you won. You won. Okay. I'm not going to mention that I didn't have my ball and have a drill. I could have waited yeah. to do this. You wouldn't mention that because it might sound like an excuse. Right. I'm right. just going to say I'm giving you credit. I don't want to mention all the things that were going against me. Right. Um, because, again, that would sound like an excuse. Right. Right. So you don't want to won't mention. I won't mention the house ball that I used right. and when I'm used to using a ball with much more spin. Okay. Not going to mention it. Good game, Dad. You're up four to one. Right. I'm up four to one. Um, you'll only get that one. No, no. I'll, I'll win. I, I've got a couple in the bank. There's, there's five left, and a couple of them are in the bank for me, including the signature event, uh, ping pong. That's going to be a major win for me, and I'm predicting it right now. Joe Namath like destroy, uh, but, destroy you in ping pong. By the way, in bowling, I must say I too used a house ball. My ball looked like it had acne; it was like pockmarked. Um, but yet I prevailed. But you always use a house ball. I've been using for over a year a ball that spins way more than a house ball. Back in his league days, Greg used to own his own ball. It was a beautiful orange ball. You don't see many orange balls. It was beautiful. You haven't seen me naked. Uh, I have uh, coming out the womb. Uh, but not often <laughs> since, except when I changed your joke. diaper. Uh, That's a good joke. Thank you. Um, no, it was my joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, thank you. All right, uh, spin the wheel of uh, topics, because we can either dive into Heat Panthers, or we can get into this Tim Reynolds beef you're having. Let's do the Tim Reynolds beef. I don't like the, the way you're setting this up. Uh, there's no beef. There was, a, there was an incident, an incident, I guess we could call it, in the press box. I have regrets about saying his name. Um, because then it turned into a thing. Mike took the ball and ran with it, right. and it turned into a bigger thing than it actually was. When I've seen Tim Reynolds just uh, go ahead. Do you want to give any context before I, yeah. I just take the... Well, first of all, we're talking about Tim Reynolds, who in Miami is the Associated Press sports guy. So you see him at Heat Games. At, at He writes for a national paper, but he covers all the local. So he's a local. He's on the local beat, but writing for a national paper. So he's around. So you see him around as much as you'd see the Miami Herald's writers. You, you see him the, everywhere. The Suns. Yeah. So I mean, he's covering all the heat beats. So yeah. You, and you, and properly, the the Associated Press press is not a national paper. It's uh, an an outlet that that feeds uh, news to papers all around the country. In other words, oh, okay, okay. In other words, what Tim Reynolds writes on the Panthers game or the Heat game is going to be seen in smaller newspapers all over the country that can't afford to send people to these matches, to these events. So Tim Reynolds, more than anybody else uh, writing at an event in South Florida, is truly on deadline because he wants to get the result of that game story online so that it can be distributed ASAP. The AP wants to be the first outlet available. So when Tim Reynolds is on deadline in a press box and he hears ancillary chatter and people yelling and everything, yeah, he's probably apt to, uh, <laughs> you know, defend his right to a, a reasonable working press box and yell at the people who are making noise. So so more context for people that didn't hear Levitage. I'm sure most people know this story by now, but Stu Gatz and I were at game five, of, uh, game five of the Panthers Capital right. Series. Panthers win in an exciting fashion. The Panthers come from behind down three nothing, win five three. We are fired up. I was in the crowd as a fan, and then I go up to the press box after the game to record the post-game show with Stu Gatz. Because you also had a media credential. 
Right. I'm I'm playing both sides. Yes, you are. I ha- <laughs> and all right, so we're means we got to recording art. We're, we're, we're fun. We're in the press box. There's not a lot of people. And the way the press box is set up in the Panthers is there's two levels to it. You have to walk downstairs. Like if I'm on the top level, which is where we were, the row two, you can't even see the first row unless you like lean over and look down. And the people on the first row can't see you unless they walk over, walk up some stairs True. and kind of look over. So there is... I'm on the first row. Yeah, so there is... Like, that's what I don't think people realize. And because I think Tim's getting crushed for being this like anti-fun guy when he's tweeted that he had no clue who was making the noise. He heard a lot of ruckus, was on deadline, and then just shot up and was like, I got to go see what this is. Like he popped up... So I think everyone is kind of like attacking Tim with the the notion of he knew it was the Levitard show and he was like, these guys, like, you know, like he had something for us when really the way I took this, he heard noise, walked up the stairs and then kind of just like was like, guys, like, oh, it's you. And I even saw him tweet in hindsight of this. If I would have known it was those guys, I probably wouldn't have said anything just because he knows the way that we roll with. If you say something to us, we're going to come back. Yeah. We're going to get our fans all fired up. And, and and I just do think that while this is fun, while I do think Tim Reynolds has taken this too seriously, mm-hmm. because if he if he just has any fun with this on social, all of this goes away. If he would have come on our show and yelled at us and yelled at me and Stu Gatz, that would have been funny. And this would have all gone better for him. The way he played it was very serious. Very. Oh, I, I can't, I can't believe you guys are putting me like making me look like this. Like I, I didn't, and you know, he's getting all defensive and it's just, that's the part where I think if he just had a sense of humor about this, it, I mean, it has gone away. It's not like he's, you know, th- this already has gone away. So, like, this isn't this big scandal that has, but it has, I haven't had to see Tim Reynolds yet. That's the awkward thing is that I'm dreading game one of the Panthers or the Heat where I'm like having an awkward walk by with, yeah. with Tim Reynolds yeah. because I don't want, and I don't dislike Tim Reynolds. I'm just a, a media guy that's trying to make fun content. Okay. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have screamed. And what happened was we screamed across the empty arena. We were, I, I stopped my story in the middle of it. We were recording our post game and I scream. Me and Stu got started screaming across the arena to Will Manso, who wasn't even Will Manso it was Clay Ferrar. We were like, <laughs> Will Manso, Will. Why were you yelling Will then if it was Clay? Well, just cause we thought it was Will. Oh, and, um, and then Tim came up and was just very f- like flailing the arms of like guys. And then we on the air were like, oh my God, Tim Reynolds just yelled at us. So that turned into a thing. And th- that's where we are. So where does Greg Cody stand on this? You're an old school journalist. Yep. Uh, I'm your son. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really think this is a beef between me and Tim Reynolds. It's more like uh, Mike Ryan took the ball and ran with it. And now it's Mike Ryan versus Tim Reynolds. But wh- where do you well, sit? On uh, this? Let me make two main points. And what Mike Ryan said on the air about Tim was just over the top. I know Tim Reynolds personally. Uh, he's a real pro. He's really, really good at what he does. Um, I've explained to you why being the, the, the chief writer for the Associated Press in a major city uh, at a major event is a pressure situation. He's truly under deadline. And, um, and, and I think the argument on the other side of that real fast as we can just tackle these one by one is if we were yelling for like four straight minutes, I get it. But it was, you can listen back to the audio on the post game show. It was me yelling his name twice and Stugatz yelling it twice. It literally took eight seconds okay. and then we were done. Right. It wasn't like we were, so like he was, he had a quick trigger right. to get irritated is the only defense on because, our, because, our, because he couldn't predict how long that was going to go on. And he was trying to nip it in the butt. Um, I right. stand with my 
journalism colleague, uh, Tim Reynolds, in this. I stand with him 100%. Uh, you guys were wrong. He was right. And the other major point I want to make that you might not know is that uh, there's an unwritten rule in press boxes, um, be quiet on deadline and no cheering in the press box. Okay. Now, I know the rules have changed. We were cheering for Will Manso. Okay. 30 years ago, there were no podcasts. There were no guys yucking it up and doing live. That's the difference. Big cha- cha- it's a changing landscape. Okay, like, but, but that's another thing where it's like, you got to have a little, there's, it, I mean, maybe these teams need to have podcast rooms and writing rooms and, now. Maybe that's a thing. Yeah. And that it may come to that, but until it does, uh, there still should be a decorum in the press box, particularly after the game on deadline. Uh, that's when, uh, you know, to a lot of people who work in a press box, including, the ancillary people, the scoreboard operators and the announcers. And uh, to most people who work in a press box, when the game ends, their job's over. Okay. To a journalist, uh, an actual journalist like Tim Reynolds and myself, when I'm at a game, that's when our work is beginning. Actual journalists. Oh, stop. You guys are writing your articles throughout the entire game. Most articles are done by the time the game ends. Yeah. Except in a, in a, in a two, two hockey game with nine seconds left, you can't exactly write what you All right, write. This one wasn't that this was five, three early in the third quarter, third period. And then it was three, three. No, it was five, but I'm saying the Panthers got the five, three lead with like 15. I think it was like 14 minutes, left, maybe 12 minutes left in the game. Okay. If you're demeaning and belittling uh, the amount of pressure that's on you to, to finish a column in time there's a reason for that it's because you've never done it well like like look i like I, I know i'm getting like i'm starting to do the thing where i'm getting jazz hands trying to be funny guy i'm i don't want to beef with tim reynolds i am genuinely sorry that he got upset by that that our fans turned on him and he's had to deal with you know i've seen a bunch of tweets of people like blocking him because mike ryan did the whole thing on the air of i'm blocking him so now i've seen screenshots of our fans blocking him like Tim Reynolds is like, I don't have any ill will towards Tim Reynolds. I hope he can move past this and doesn't hate me forever. It was, it was, there was no ill intent from our part. We like to have fun. Fun is our number one objective. And us getting yelled at from our fans' perspective is fun. That's why we exposed it. Right. It's funny that Stugatz and I would get yelled at sure. in the press no, box. We probably should. I, I and I'm learning. I'm new at this. I, this. I've covered now four or five games in my entire career. I probably won't say his name next time. I'll probably because then at least there can be buildup. And on the Lebetard show, it could be a week's worth of them trying to get it out of me of who it actually was. Right. Like I probably shouldn't have said who it was because then. So I do have regrets there, and I know that this isn't good salacious audio. The good, the better podcast episode would be me crushing Tim Reynolds, but I, I, I don't want that. I, I, I want to be friends with everyone in this business. But I think if there's a lesson on Tim's end, because I'm admitting my faults, shouldn't yell. And I think you'll agree with this. I think he would even maybe agree with this. Our lesson is don't yell in the press box when there's people around writing, and don't say his name maybe next time. That's my lesson. If Tim Reynolds wants to take a lesson from this, maybe it would be deal with this with a little bit more sense of humor. I get in the moment being upset because he's on deadline. But the next morning when we ask him to come on the show and his tweet responses to it, don't be always super serious because that doesn't help in this situation. Yeah. That's, that, have a, that's, that's, have a sense of humor. Have a sense of humor a little bit is my only note for Tim Reynolds. Yeah, that, that's reasonable. But the, the overarching point of this, and I do support Tim Reynolds in this, the overarching point I would make is that when you have around your neck a media credential, uh, you have an obligation to follow the rules of decorum in a press box. But what if that credential is is uh, balanced by a, a, a double crown and ginger? Uh, or, or a couple of them. Well, currently there was only one. Okay, that's the problem when you play 
both sides. When you're the fan, like five minutes before that, you were down um, in the bottom level, you know, you said cheering behind a live TV report. Behind Mike Des- De Pasquale. That was literally on my way. That was literally my bridge right. from the, cr- I was in the stands in my seat celebrating, right. walking up. I'm like, all right, enough being a fan. I got to go record a post game. And as I'm walking it through the concourse, I'm like, oh, look, there's Mike De Pasquale right. on a live hit. Gonna turn into a fan again. Ah! Right. That, by the way, people like to be like, Chris is such a buffoon sports. Like, why would he do that? He knows he works for the show. Do you not think I don't know what I'm doing when I do that? You don't think that when I see that live mic, I'm doing that for the... I know it's going to get clipped. Of course. People were like tweeting me like, how could you, with a drink in your hand, go behind that? You work with the biggest show. It's so clearly you. And I'm like, yeah. Like that that, that thing co- created content for Levitard show the next like three days. Right. And I love that. I'm just saying like these people on Twitter that like make it seem like I'm this oaf that's just like, God, he doesn't get what he does for... It's like, no. You don't get it. Right. I get exactly what I'm doing. Right. No, because in that moment, you were a fan on the concourse. You had been in the stands the whole game cheering, as you have every right to do. What, what you need to acknowledge moving forward is that when you step into that press box with a credential around your neck, you need to follow the rules of the road, which are to be quiet, particularly when people are on deadline. Now, I know that press box. It's a very long press box. And you, in, in retrospect... I hope you agree. You and Stu Gatz could have gone to some remote, remoter area of the press box. No, that's right. Next time we do that in that press box, there will be more of an effort of looking around. Okay, who's who seems to be writing? Yeah, we're not the only people creating. Like other people are doing little audio things in that press box, and and he was fine with us doing it. It was just the screaming right. at Will okay. Manso. That's the lesson. Okay. Like I really like a lot of people are recording stuff up there and can do it at a normal voice. Like it was just the yelling. Like I get that. And we won't yell anymore. That was, that was a bad look for sure. Yeah. I think if Tim Reynolds is listening to this, he's nodding and he, he's okay with the way we've resolved this. Um, this actually segues segues pretty good into us talking a little bit about heat and Panthers since this, what we're talking about occurred at a Panthers game and the Panthers have advanced in the playoffs beyond the first round for the first time since 1996 incredible and what's incredible to me is the way they did it in the last three games and carter verhage has his fingerprints on all three of these comeback wins they were themselves the last three games right they they turned back into the comeback cats the cardiac cats late in games with never out of it clutch goals late in the games carter verhage i mean cardi v yeah just uh, i could i could have sex right now just thinking about these last three games i mean three think about it three games ago they had the choke collar on they were down in the series and they were losing with two minutes left to go down three to one and then it's tied and then they win in overtime two games ago they were down three nothing at home that's a lot, even for the comeback cats. Three nothing is a lot. Yeah. They come back and win five to three. And then in the last game, they're down one nothing. Then they're down two one. And you never count out the cats. You just don't. I mean, they're such an offensive juggernaut. I was actually at John Mullaney for the, the the game six, the clincher. I did get in my car and was my wife was driving, watching it on my phone for the overtime. Like when I got out of John Mullaney, it was going to overtime. Um, so I they actually blew a like they blew a lead 
right? Didn't they have the lead and then gave up a late goal to go to overtime? Yeah, that's right. It's it's wild. That's that's that that must have was that like oh that this isn't like the cats. But, but then again, in overtime, you, you just don't count them out. There's just some... you just give it to cart. You just give it to Carter Verhage and let Cardi V let Cardi V do his thing. And here's the weird thing: Carter Verhage had you know he was questionable to play. Um, he he had an injury the the day before in practice and was actually iffy to play. And um, he had had a quiet game. Like before he scored the winning goal, um, you hadn't heard his name mentioned much. Uh, I, I don't know if his ice time was down a little or what, but uh, he had had a quiet game before then. Uh, but but there's there's something magical about these cats. I, I don't know. I, I was around in 96 when they last made a big splash in the postseason, and that was a totally different team. Those were the Cinderella cats. You yeah. know, they were a third or fourth yeah. year expansion team coming out of nowhere. They had a bunch of used parts on their their squad, uh, no stars. I think the encouraging thing about this Panthers team is um, throughout this series, they seem to get just more comfortable. The last three games, even though they fell behind, there was this comfort and just like, this feels like the regular season where they're never really out of it. Where the first few games of the series, even when the one they, they game two, they won 5-1. It, even that one didn't, you looked at the analytics and they were getting outplayed. They were getting outpossessed. They were getting outshot even with the win. So it was like the first four games of the series, it was like, this just doesn't, I don't care. Even though it's 2-2, it doesn't look like the Panthers we've seen all season. And the final three games, it just, even though like, I'm not just playing the results here, just looking at the team on the ice, they looked more like, it seems like the nerves went away as like the playoffs, like they were all just like a little like, holy shit, this is the playoffs at the beginning. And as the series went on, I'm feeling more like they're going to be, you know, they they got their feet under them now. Now they're just going out and playing. So I'm encouraged that they just seem to look more like the Panthers as the series went on. Yeah, that was the language you heard after the game uh, from the players and from Burnett, the coach, was the, the first few games of the series, you heard the word nervous mentioned. We can't yeah. play nervous. We were yes. tentative. The first 10 minutes of those games were ugly, but all of them. And they weren't, and, and Burnett, to his credit, the interim coach, Andrew Burnett, lit into the team after uh, three games, I think it was, and said, we're being outworked. Uh, we're losing the 50-50 pucks. We're not working hard enough. And that said something to the team. And they, I think they responded. And they've been more themselves the past few games. And now uh, they, they draw Tampa Bay, which uh, won a thrilling game in Toronto. Uh, to oh, I was rooting seven. for Toronto. I have yeah. to admit, I was rooting for Toronto. I mean, t- Tampa Bay is a tough matchup for Miami. They're, they're a bitter rival upstate rival they're the they're the reigning nhl champions of course um and they're always tough the the panthers if you're if you want the panthers to really get over the hump this season in all the ways they need to go through tampa and carolina yeah i was just rooting for toronto because i think i might be going to game six if it gets there and i and i and i want to go to toronto yeah yeah but tampa is what what we have and um uh it's going to be wonderful and when you look ahead which is always dangerous but uh, you know, the power in the West this year is Colorado, uh, the team that beat Florida in the 96 finals. So if you oh, really as want a to fan, do- though, like not speaking journalistically, wanting to go to Toronto, if you're a fan, you want the Panthers to go through t- Tampa, Carolina, said Trochik out of here and then Colorado Avalanche yep. and avenge that 97 yeah. final. Like, let's go. Let's do this. Let's have a season. I feel like. I was so scared after those first few games, but I'm back. I think the Panthers got this. I think this is going to be, I think this is going to be, I was at a moment yesterday where I was thinking to myself, I was like, if the Heat and Panthers both like stay hot, 
this could be like outside of the heat big three this is going like we could be in the middle of like a historic something we'll think on back on 20 years from now remember when the heat and the panthers made that run together like what if we have two champions we could legitimately have two champions i, I agree with you and it, it's I, I love the dynamic right now of you and us talk you and i talking about this because you're a genuine fan you have season tickets at panthers games um i'm not a fan i'm a journalist and yet as a journalist, I root for my city. I root for my readers, and and it's a nice scapegoat to like. It, it seems like you're a fan of the local teams. Then, um, I I said what I just said. I, I there's no cheering. <laughs> you just unlike, said you root for them. You uh, said you root for them. Unlike you, I'm not going to cheer in the press box, but um, I'm going to be happy when they win. And and there's nothing wrong with that. And to your point, if the Heat and the Panthers are in the midst of a magnificent postseason and both of them are playing for a championship that's a wonderful thing for yeah. my city exhausting yeah. for journalists oh and God. for people in the media but well, it is there's part of me that's rooting for them to play on because i know we're see this is i shouldn't be even saying this but I, we can just say it who cares we're recording this sunday we don't know yet when the panthers are going to be playing so we're still waiting to see if it's going to be the way it was last series where almost every day we have a game or if it's not going to work out that way and they're going to be on the same days. And I'm kind of rooting for them to be on yeah, the same days. Right. Just so I can have a bloody night off every once in a while. Oh, my God. Me too. Believe me. But the Heat, turning to the Heat for a second, um, they're an amazing team. They, they're they always in every game because of their defense. It's such a fundamentally solid defense. We saw a few games in, in the earlier round where they forgot how to make a three-point basket, which is their bread and butter. They led the league in threes. They couldn't hit a three. They still managed to win this series because of defense. Jimmy Butler is is out of his mind. Jimmy, he's Butler. a psychopath. I heard Zach Harper say this with Jeremy on Jeremy Tache's uh, Miami Mike Dub podcast. Um, it's it's like, what is Jimmy Butler in the playoffs? Like, explain it to me. And he's like, he's a psychopath. Yeah, and I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, he is, and he's able. With you know, one of the measurements of what's a star, what's a superstar, he is able to lift his team. He is able to produce. He says to himself in the in the middle of the second quarter, maybe they need 40 points from me tonight. And you know what? He goes out and gets it. He is that kind of a player. And as long as he is, uh, they have a chance to go all the way as well, just like the Panthers. On our way out here, why is something our bread and butter? Like, why is that? I think so. It's like a it's like a, a forgettable appetizer at the beginning of a meal. I think because back in the and, and oddly enough, this is even before my time, but back in the Depression. Uh, a lot of people had to subsist on bread. Like if you had a loaf of bread, you were set for the week. You would eat bread because you were poor and there was no bread. There were food lines were everywhere. If you had butter, you felt like a king, right? Wow. If if you had bread. Well, I will, ad- I will admit there's like, if you just have bread and you're like, oh, this is just bread. And then you slap some butter on there. Whoo! Oh yeah. Makes all the difference in the world or jam or peanut butter, whatever you have. But uh, bread and butter. This is, my, this is my jam and butter. That's right. Uh, anyway, are we uh, we wrapping it? Yeah, we are. Wrap, wrap, wrap. They call us the rapper. Thanks as always, podcast family. Check out our uh, uh, website and the merch store. By the way, yes. get, get that one more mention, Christopher. Tell the thing and everything. It's thegregcodyshow dot com or shop dot show dot com. I think. Um, See, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Well, either way, thegregcodyshow dot com will get you there. Click the shop link. Um, it's still a work in progress. We haven't uh, added really anything yet because we've been really busy, but. There'll be new stuff, and uh, we're excited about it. Like, we don't want to like pressure you. If you don't want to buy anything, don't buy anything. Yeah. But if you want to support us, and you know, sh- walk around and uh, 
you know, wear a Greg Cody shirt, wear a Greg Cody scarf, put a little, uh, you know, a, a, a cape, put a cape on your dog or yeah. something. You know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of options there, a lot of fun stuff. Right. And we'll be getting better at it. We'll, we'll be having more options at some point. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. We love you. Yes. Thank you, Pod Family. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. I could make a joke about how I be you in bowling. Yeah, you wouldn't want to say that because that would sound like yeah, sour grapes. <laughs> sour grape in it. Bowling it. <laughs> Win number one for the old man. Woo! Yeah, definitely not going to complain about the fact that I had to use my house ball. Definitely not going to say that.